Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good afternoon, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant to the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance of the week that was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before I go any further, please allow me to introduce my representative from the investment panel, resident expert in the market, the ever stoic, Mr. By the Dip Dan. How are you going to go, Howie? Mr. Dan Howie, how are you today, good sir? I'm excellent, thank you, Will. How are you? Oh, very, very good. What a week. What are we on now? 12 days of up in a row or something ridiculous like that? a very, very positive start to the year, especially if you look at our local market. We've probably been one of the best performing across the globe, but broadly across equities markets, it has been a very, very positive start to the year and a very strong risk on sentiment which has been good for Re- a lot of investors. just just general optimism surrounding the fact because I was doing doing the maths and looking at sort of the years very rarely do we have two down years in a row so it's not Correct. uncommon that we are seeing sort of some of rebounds and so. it's been the best start the ASX 300 has had to the year in 30 years so very very positive start to the year for 199 very wow that's a, it's a so extremely strong start to the year we are getting very close to that all time high though so about what 2% off i suppose about 2% off so it's uh it's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks really the next week a lot of central bank movements so there could be some big swings in markets next week and i think it'll really give us a bit of it'll set the tone for the year and give us an indication of where central banks are really going and how they're actually going in that fight against inflation so the next week or so really big a pivotal week for equity I, I do feel like people have sort of moved away from the macro approach of what the Fed's doing, what they're not, and they're now really focusing on earnings, which is in Correct. full swing over in the US. We're about to go, we are in earnings. I think one of our stocks, even though it reported on the US calendar, ResMed reported today. ResMed did report they But I think we've got, we're going to be full, fully fledged next week. In, in a lot of so we're about to go, yeah, full on into earnings season. Even next week in the US, we have some big companies, which we'll discuss later on, but... Uh, yeah, a really big couple of weeks with regards to earnings and also with regards to uh, markets as well and some well, of the key macro data. Very good. Well, let, let's get into that macro data in a second. But first and foremost, let's bring up a chart of the US. Talk us through what you're seeing on a technical basis because looking very, very exciting. We can see we've broken out of that uh, downward trend through yep. there and uh, starting to now... So we will start with the S&P 500. Now, for the week, after four sessions, we're up about 2%. But the big thing here, and we discussed it in the last show is that it was very close to that trend line and those moving averages which were all intersecting at the same place. Now, this week we've seen it break through all of that. It's broken mm. through both 200-day moving averages and it has broken through that longer-term downward trend line and has now used as support and pushed higher it's again. It's still an month. ugly chart though, isn't it? It doesn't it's look great. There is still some levels of resistance that you can see from past price movements in the last nine months. But with regards to officially breaking that technical trend and pushing above those longer-term moving averages and closing above them for a couple of consecutive sessions, 
it is looking a little bit more optimistic. Mm -hmm. I think we are starting to see a few more people enter in because of that big technical change in the way the S&P 500 has traded uh, in the last week or so. So very positive across the board for the S&P. The NASDAQ, as I spoke about earlier, that really strong risk on sentiment seems to be there to start the year. So the NASDAQ's up about 3.5%. Uh, is that year to date? Th no, this week. This just, week th right. just this week to date after four sessions. Mm -hmm. And the big thing for the NASDAQ overnight was it pushed above its 200-day simple moving average. So sitting a little bit lower because it did sort of bear the brunt of the very strong risk off sentiment in the tail end of last year. But now that we've got that very strong risk on sentiment this year, it is doing very well. Has had a very strong start to the year and really pushed above a pretty key technical level overnight as well. Okay. Now, everyone's always interested more interested in what we're doing in terms of our index as well. So let's bring up a chart of what our index is looking like. And as you can see, a lot better, a lot cleaner. A lot better. Um, very, very close to that triple top that we've seen now. Correct. Um, but we have broken. We're consistently making higher highs, higher lows now. And we have quite convincingly double bottomed with that very convincing a w correct it's a, it's a very it's a, a, almost a perfect w it's, it looks very very aesthetically pleasing to a technical trader double bottom and it's now formed a nice upward trend as you said we're about two percent from that all-time high where we triple topped last year um so as i said it's it always seems to be when there's a big announcement coming out from a central bank or a big big key piece of data we do reach those key technical levels whether it be a trend line a triple top all-time high moving averages and i think what could really push us above that or have us fall back off that the central bank movements next week, so the RBA, the Fed, um, and some key data as well that's coming through. What are we thinking about the RBA? It's tough. The RBA is an interesting one because they slow down quite quickly. And if you look at our inflation, which we'll touch on shortly as comparison to the US, it is not actually looking as good. If our inflation is still uptrending, the US now for six consecutive months has had inflation downtrending. So <coughs> the sort of talk at the moment, I think, is about 25 basis points from the RBA. I don't think but they're talking potentially as little as, as, as a quarter, or is that over in the US that they're talking about yeah, a quarter? Yeah, that's what they're talking about in the US. And so when, when do they come out? That's mid-next week, yeah? So we will be the Tuesday? Yep, we're Tuesday 2nd. Oh, no, no, we won't be. We'll be the following Tuesday. Yeah, following first Tuesday. Tuesday yes. First Tuesday of so Every month. And next just. Tuesday is the little, yes, adjust. So it'll be the Tuesday after the Fed. They announce on the 1st of February. So that'll be next week, middle of next week, uh, which will be the big first one to move. And that'll be something that definitely has an impact on markets and really gives us an indication of sentiment mm -hmm. um, and whether it could really shift that. So I think... I think it could funny, be funny. Funny, funny fact for you: Tuesday on that RBA meeting will be very close to being ten percent of the way through the year. That's unreal. It's <laughs> a bit scary. I, say to, I speak to clients, and they're, um, they're like, especially last week, they're like, I can't believe it's nearly Australia Day. It feels like New Year's was last week, and now yeah. we're nearly at the end of January. Nearly ten percent of the way through the it year just flies already. Through. I said that to my mum this morning on the phone. She probably hung up on me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at, at the moment, the expectation looks to be talking more relative mm -hmm. to us mm -hmm. and broader equities markets, looking at the Fed and the RBA, 25 basis points from both. Um, looking at futures markets at the moment in the US, there's about a 94% chance that we'll see 25 basis points. Okay, so That's what's being priced at the moment. Um, and the rest of that sort of uh, sits with 50 basis points potentially, but doesn't really seem too likely at this point in time. So I, I feel like a, a, a quarter of a basis point hike seems to be pretty... Pretty sort of normal and sustainable. Correct. And, and if yeah. you look at their CPI print, it is coming down. And it is come down for six consecutive months. It looks quite good, the trend that their CPI mm -hmm. is forming. But the, there's a key piece of data to get tonight. It's called the PCE index, which I actually had to look this up because I didn't look at it much before. It's called the Personal Consumption Expendi Expenditures Index, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is basically a, a different type of inflation reading they get. And it is actually the Fed's key piece of inflation readings they like to get. And it's the last one they get before they make their decision next week. So that could be a big piece that could have a pretty big impact on markets overseas in the US tonight. Um, and that could give us an indication um, and really push that percentage chance of 25 basis points higher if that reading is quite good tonight. So 
key piece there in the Fed next week. Um, we have had some other data this week out of the US, which was GDP as well. I thought I'd quickly touch on that. Um, and that didn't slow down as much as anticipated. So we've been speaking about the tail end of last year and this year, what's considered positive data and how you interpret it based on the current macroeconomic conditions. It seems like everything's positive data the, yeah, exactly. with the market going it, it the way It depends on which way you want to look at it, right? So yeah. GDP for the US in their last quarter rose at an annual rate of 2.9%. Now, that's quite positive because the expectation was 24 But as we know, with the Fed increasing rates at the moment, you don't really want to see the economy expanding as quickly. They should be contracting slightly to really have the economy fall back into that equilibrium area. So it did rise yeah, about half a percent more than expected mm -hmm. for the December quarter over in the US, um, which, as you said, you can flip a coin and you can say it's positive or negative. Depends on which way you want to look at it. But with regards to the inflation fight, not overly positive, but uh, for the broader economy in the US, very, very positive. So you're thinking optimistic here? You think we're going to do well this year? I know, what did I see? A quote... They reckon about 12% upside for yeah, the, so for the Strat, S&P. Yeah, so Fundstrat came out with their forecast overnight, which is a big fund over in the US, mm -hmm. and their forecast for points on the S&P 500 at the end of this year is 4,500, 4, 4, 4, which yeah. is about 12% higher than where we are now and would leave us somewhat approximately 20% higher for the year. So they're very optimistic for this year, um, and they think it'll almost be um, a pretty traditional upward trend formed throughout the year based on the way they think it will technically. See, they said the start, the March quarter should be quite positive, and then they think it'll be um, a pretty traditional upward trending year. So let's let's take it all the way back to stock picking. Now, in my relatively obtuse mind, I, I sit there and I think, right, Australian market's very nearly on an all-time high. Is it time to cycle into businesses that haven't seen the rally yet? Is it time to get into those things that have quite badly beaten down? And by then I'm talking about things like your Adelaide Brightons, your Lend Leases, these ones that have just been hammered and hammered and hammered, even your CCPs, even, geez, could I, bear, bear I say it, something in the tech space like app and technology, these things that are just very badly beaten down because logically they normally are outperforming the market on the way up. Correct. And would it say, is there going to be growth there? Because you'd be a pretty you'd be pretty optimistic to jump into the market on that quadruple top that it's Correct. hit. So is it now time to... But that doesn't mean you're not going to make money as a stock picker. So is it time to cycle into those businesses that are a bit lower down? Yeah, I think there is a lot of potential for those businesses here. I think a key one that we haven't really touched on, it's sort of swept under the radar on the ASX 300 for the last year or so, is ASM. I think ASM is something that's sitting very, very low at the moment, and it looks like... I think the material space has quite an optimistic outlook for the year, the industrial space. Mm -hmm. Fundstrat actually came out and said that they believe energy and materials are going to outperform again this year. Mm -hmm. um, so it sort of depends. I think you're right. It's definitely going to be stock picking. And I think sometimes, especially after a year like we had last year where some businesses were down 85, 90, I think the worst performer was CCX and it was down like 92 or 93% for the year. Um, you still need to do, obviously, your full analysis across the board looking at macros and fundamentals, but you can pick businesses that were down 80% last year that have fundamentally sound companies and do fit the current macro environment. Like you said, information technology with the big, strong risk on sentiment, you still got to pick and choose your timing based on the broader macro sentiment, but it is still very much a time to be picking stocks and some of those ones that are down a long way, the upside potential is obviously elevated quite dramatically. Very good. So you're optimistic through there. Now, do you think US, if you were going to have to pick a market, you think the NASDAQ's a better one or? At this point in time to start the year, I think... Through January, that's where I would have been. Commodities, yeah. I, I probably would have been looking at the NASDAQ th to start the year. I mean, if you look at Tesla, it's up 40% or 45%. Is that really? Because I know it was up 10% on that bump. We are going to talk about that later. but Yeah, so... 10% last the night. The NASDAQ yeah. has been surging to start the year because, like I said, that strong risk on sentiment. If you could have picked up on that early, I think the NASDAQ would have been the place to focus your time. I think 
Uh, moving throughout the year, it's always going to differ. I think it's good to have a, a bit of a diversification across the board. Uh, but I, like, like you said, I think a big thing for people looking at our local market is keeping an eye on when we reach those all-time highs, if we do get there, which we are, as you said, ever so close, and really focusing at that point in time, you need to be looking at, at big announcements and macro events. You need to be looking at what's coming from the RBA, what's the Fed doing, what's the inflation print saying, because when you get positive news around those areas is when you really shoot through resistance well, with very minimal... One of the good things effort. about ourselves is we obviously will be doing uh, this show every Friday, okay, live, and we'll be discussing earning results for the week, but also gearing people up and setting people Correct. up. Because I know there is a... I believe that on Wednesday the 15th or something around there, about there, I was doing the calendars today, there's 177 announcements on that day throughout the whole ASX 3000. I'm, I'm really psyched for the next three or four shows because, like I said, next week there'll be some central bank Yes, movement. yeah, absolutely. Really, really big week of earnings season, which we'll touch on later. Some massive companies in the US reporting. We're going to get fully fledged into our own earn, earnings season and that'll go for a few weeks. So there'll be the next couple of weeks... Central and, banks a gold, and gold and oil just keeps going the way it is and you're going to have some good fun. And you've got China coming out of the Lunar New yeah, Year. Exactly so right. you've got so China coming back online in terms of the iron ore production. And that's so a, that's a big times. thing this week. Commodities were relatively muted this week mm-hmm. because the, the, the volumes going through trading was quite low. But yeah, the next few, three, four, even five weeks with earnings season central bank movements, just to really get an idea of the tone because we haven't had any really key mm-hmm. like press conferences or announcements or rate increases from any central bank and an indication of the outlook from them. So mm-hmm. really big, important one to start the year, really set the tone and that earnings season is again, again is going to be uh, really, really interesting across the board, I think. Very good. Thanks for your analysis as always, Miss Dahawi. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. If you have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, dial 1-300-854-151. Everyone who does, receive a copy of our book, Stock market success, retailing gimmicks for $39.95. In the meantime, we'll take that quick break and we get back, we'll go through your currency and commodity overview. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Let's talk currencies and commodities now. All things that shine, sparkle, fold, and make the world go round. So, something that's shining. Maybe, maybe not. Down a bit, maybe. Up a bit. Overall, let's talk about gold, Mr. Buy the Dip Dan. How high are you going to go, Howie? Mr. Yeah, so we'll, Howie. I always love talking about gold as an interesting space, and it's something we'll probably see an indication of where the trend could continue to go in the next week when we get that Fed decision. But for the week, it was pretty flat, down about 
Uh, 0.1%. But coming off a pretty nice rally towards the Yeah, well, actually, we'll pull up a chart of gold as I talk about it here. You can see the trend that it's formed there is exceptional. And you can, you can compare that to the price of iron ore, of copper, of nickel. And you really understand what people talk about with a, with a commodity super cycle. And it seems like a lot of people are talking that's what we've entered into. And that trend formed by you gold. You know, the irony about that chart is I know that is quite high. I mean, it's, it's almost, almost at its highs. Yeah. Um, but we've got gold players that are nowhere near that. We've got gold Correct. players that are still down quite a bit. Some know, that are up a long way, some that are down. Yeah, it's interesting. But it's, um, I guess that's where the, the rest of your analysis on businesses comes into with regards to underlying commodities and the impact that it has to overall share price movement as well. Mm -hmm. But I think not really a huge amount to discuss for gold this week. The only big mover, the, the only piece of news that really saw movement in gold was the fact that GDP came in above expectations. So that caused some downward pressure on gold. Because it left investors a little bit unsure of if the Fed might have to raise rates a bit higher. So the Dixie bounced up a bit, the US dollar bounced up a little bit overnight, and gold did fall a little bit. But the broader trend for gold is still very positive. If you're a technical trader, it still looks very nice. Um, and with regards to the Fed next week, if we hit expectations um, or at 25 basis points, which will be another step down from the Fed, I think the Dixie, if you look at the dollar index, the trend at the moment is, is pretty Shocking, horrible. Pretty horrible. It horrible, it's not, yeah. doesn't look too good. Um, and obviously, that's going to be a massive tailwind price of gold so i think the outlook for gold still seems quite positive we have seen price forecasts from many big fund managers now put above 2000 um i think we're about 1920 at the moment so yeah, so not great <laughs> not, not a great uh, production uh, not a great prediction <laughs> exactly so it's we could we i think there's every chance we could go above 2000 for gold this year certainly if you look at that trend and how close we are now um if if the macro environment suits it which it looks like it could start the year i think there's every chance we could push above 2000 in the next three months or so Let's talk about oil as well, because oil, I know we might just jump straight over to the chart of oil. Yep. I know that it's something we've been keeping a, pretty, keeping a pretty close eye on. Sort of in that, I mean, we've got some quite bullish mo motions right there, but I don't, if I, unless I'm much mistaken, that looks like a 50-day moving average that I've drawn snaking through the middle there. Correct. Still below that, and um, still, I mean, above the mid-Donchin channel by the looks of it, but still in that decided downward trend. Yeah, and if you look at, the way that trend has formed, it has definitely slowed down. It is almost looks like it's starting to try and enter into a channel to slow down mm. the downward momentum. And you're right, it is really sitting at a level of resistance now. It's been a volatile couple of weeks for oil. You can see lots of wicks on the top and bottom. It's of good that we didn't there. go lower on that previous low that we had uh, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. It's good that we didn't break lower. We've, we've broken out of that trend. It's just now just sort of seems to be slowing down a bit. Yeah, it is slowing down. and It is really trying to push back above you. Right, There's a lot of resistance, though, with regards to previous highs, 50-day moving average, and then obviously the 200-day as well. So... There's long position, maybe take a long position to the 50-day moving average and then... <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a, a lot of positions you can obviously take depending on what time frame you're looking at there with oil. I think the outlook for oil, again, uh, I think it could be quite positive. But you just never know. You, there's always, I guess, uh, the first few OPEC meetings of the year with regards to supply. Demand, obviously, side of things with regards to China does seem quite positive. Um, we've seen a pretty positive effect on a lot of commodities from expected increased demand out of China for this year. Uh, but again, they do hold a lot of the cards. So we know how volatile China is with regards to their politics. Um, they do hold a lot of the cards in their hands with regards to where commodities can go and the trends they can form. We know iron ore has formed a very strong trend off the back of a lot of positive news out of China. But I think with regards to oil, um, at the moment, technically it doesn't look excellent, but it is starting to look better than it did when we looked at the tail end of last year when it was in a pretty strong uh, fast momentum downward trend. Perfect. Let's spend a bit of time talking about cryptocurrency. Uh, obviously, something we do discuss quite a bit on the show, more specifically Bitcoin. I really want to hone in on Bitcoin. Now, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again and expecting a different result. But one thing we did notice is that during the crash that happened in 2020, the COVID crash, 
everything dropped. The whole market dropped 33%. Bitcoin was absolutely pummeled down to about 4K. Now, from if you, 60. Yeah, from about, well, no, I don't think it was 60. I think it was, it wasn't from 60 down to 4K, I don't think. I think it was 20 down to 4K. Then it rose quickly, and I mean quickly, very quickly taking the 10, the 20. Everyone thought at 30 we were going to see some selling pressure. I know a lot of people exited out. Then it just blew straight past that 30,000, and we're 60 within the next sort of couple of years. Then, of course, it's crashed all the way back down again. We're now sitting, we were to get as low as 18,000 US, now sitting above 23,000 US. It's been a, a crazy couple of weeks for cryptocurrency, and this is what I was What we find is when the markets do well, this also goes along for the ride at a more exacerbated level. Yeah, correct, and that's what I wanted to touch on is why I'm really impressed, even the last six months by cryptocurrency markets, is if you look at the tail end of last year, the NASDAQ was getting slammed. And traditionally, I guess the most relative index to compare cryptocurrency to would be the NASDAQ because it's very it's risk, very on. risk yeah. on. And, and I guess when you come to crypto, you're at the peak of risk on there. So tail end of last year, the NASDAQ is getting slammed and hammered and the trend looked horrendous. Although Bitcoin was still downtrending, it held its own very well. It traded in a channel sideways for a long time bet from between 25,000 and 16,000 and didn't really fall much lower when the NASDAQ was continually falling. So it was very impressive there. Then to start this year, it has obviously outperformed all indexes. Well, let's take a look at on a chart. We'll pull it up here to date. Yeah. Look, there's some massive green candles through there. I mean, it, that looks pretty shocking if you look at the, the, the previous six months. But if you take a sort of your, your lines from just below that sort of halfway point, you can see that... We've got a lot of green there, a lot of flattening consolidation. We're very clearly broken out of that downward trend. Correct. Are we going to keep going higher? Hard to say, but there's a pretty big psychological level at the 20,000 mark. So my anticipation is if we do fall, maybe only three, three, three grand back down to the 20. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, very impressive. We were talking in here. We, we, it's, uh, you know, is, is it going to break 20? Looked yeah. like it. And then there was a lot of resistance at 22, looking at past price action levels of supply. There's mm. huge amount of sellers at 22. Pushed above that, was up 7% last Saturday. Just mm. Smashed above that. Last night it even went up to twenty three eight hundred. Wow! If they it? had a, like a, a, if you saw that candlestick there, there's a long wick on the top last night, which yeah, right. really hit the top donch and pushed it significantly higher. Came down back a bit, but you're right, it is still trading. I think around twenty three flat, maybe yeah, twenty three flat. It was twenty three flat this morning on my wrap, yeah. so I don't know what it is right now. I haven't looked, but uh, but yeah. it's it's looking very impressive. The trend is looking quite strong. The people entering into the cryptocurrency, a lot of retail investors, a lot of institutional investors. Um, well, if you're, it's sort of in my very, once again in my very obtuse and puny mind. If you are bullish on the markets in general, going into things like Nasdaq, going to those businesses that are down a lot that have the room to grow, okay, things like crypto might not be a bad idea. If you're bullish on the market, I, I completely if agree. If you're, if you're uncertain, maybe going into commodities, into you're know, doing a little bit more, yeah, sort of like diversifying in, in your traditional blue chip stocks. If mm. you're not, if you're uncertain. You can never really go wrong. But like but said, but, I mean, blue chip, look at BHP. You'd be brain dead to buy that. It's on an all-time high. It's like yeah. a million time top. Exactly. Obviously, you've got you to gotta yeah. pick and choose like we were talking about mm. before. But I completely agree. If you're bullish on the market, look at the outperformance from crypto this year already. Why wouldn't you be? Like, that being said. Still have your portfolio, but have that yeah. as a, the, the diversified leg where it's the most risk on. But if you'd done that this year. Yeah. You'd yeah. be doing very. It's up forty percent year to date. Oh yeah, yeah. That being said, though, uh, what we've got some stocks that are up forty percent. You don't know Pilbara Minerals, the uh, lithium player. That's up forty percent. I don't think Alchem's far off it. Um, there is well. some. There is some Grange Grange Resources, Grange one that we've 40%. mentioned on the podcast. I think a couple of times. CCX City Chick. That's up. I think about fifty five percent. Oh yeah, but come on, mate. After an eighty percent decline last 90, year, that's that, was, that was the bottom performer last year on the index. Ninety three percent. We'll call that a relief rally. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think those. Yeah, but it's having massive swings that stock. I think oh, it's a bit all over the shop. But yeah, it's been some very strong starts to the year. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting year. I think there's a, a lot to unpack, and I think there's going to be. Uh, will the energy run continue? Like our, our coal players are really starting to suffer. We saw today. Nine percent down for New Hope Corporation. Yeah, I think Whitehaven was six, six and a half. So mm. it's um, you know, we could see some pretty, pretty big cyclical changes in what performs this year and what doesn't. Mm. Uh, but I think, as I said, the next month or so is going to be big because obviously through earnings season as well, mm. you get mm. new guidances, you get new outlooks, and that can really set the tone of what business is going to perform because it gives you an idea of how they're operating. Uh, and what their outlook is for the year and what their well, in the next, be. Well, I think in the next section we'll actually go through what the key things to look at when we do, uh, when we do come to er- earnings. What are the key things we want to look at? And I'll go through some key stuff for that there. But thanks for your analysis. As always, Mr. By the Dip Dan, how high can it go, Howie? Mr. Dan, Howie. So that's commodities and currencies, and that's the events that shape them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. one 854 Our phone lines are now open. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll have a look at what the best and worst performers in Australia were this week. Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now and take a look at what the best and worst performers in Australia were this week. Were there tears shed this week? Who lost money? And who has Christmas come early for Mr. By the Dip Dan? How high can it go, Howie? Mr. Dan Howie, let's go straight to your sector chart. Talk about what's done well and what's not done so well this week. Yeah, let's pull it up straight away. As you can see, uh, information technology, once again, outperforming this week. It's really been a top sector this year. It's done very, very well. What are the two ones that are down? The two ones that are down are communication services and healthcare. So healthcare's had a very strong start to the year as well, slight retraction this week. I think if you look at an opportunity we picked a few, I mean, it might have been about a month ago, Clinivell Pharmaceuticals, oh, that has That just does not stop. That that's, just does not that's stop. That's posted, I think, about 13 or 14 bullish candles in a row. But across the board, still a lot of broad-based positivity is what you're really going to pull from that chart there. As I said, tech really outperforming, um, a lot of really strong risk on buyers, which is really good to see. Materials still doing very well. Um, real estate, utilities... Uh, and also consumer discretionary and staples, both up over 1% as well. So across the board, still a lot of broad-based buying, um, and people really looking to take some risks to start the year. Rightio. Let's talk over that earnings results, because earnings over in the US looking pretty oh, interesting. This is, this and is I want to be one of my favourite sections over the next few weeks. I love talking figures. And, and I, so I want to talk about Tesla, because Elon Musk acted more like a CEO. He's very, very nice when he got up there and presented, didn't do any dancing or anything like that. Very he straightforward. very professional, but I feel like in a... Sort of a quiet backhanded way, he sort of silenced a lot of the haters that were saying, you know what, you don't care about Tesla anymore, you're all about Twitter. And these figures and the way he presented himself while reporting um, these figures from Tesla, very, very impressive. I thought he did very well. And obviously Tesla did extremely well. So their revenue was up 50... I'm sure he's 
thrilled at your approval, mate. I'll, I'll write him a letter yeah, and we'll, say, we'll, by the way. <laughs> I'll just email him this podcast, hey, mate, what do you think of this? Like, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the revenue for 2022 was up 51% yep. to $81.5 billion US was their revenue, and their net profit more than doubled. So the net profit was $12.6 billion US dollars for Tesla. So that on they, they beat expectations on both the top and bottom line there. And as I said, they surged about 10% overnight. So 40% up for the year Tesla, 10% overnight on that earnings beat. Uh, and as I said, Elon Musk, uh, I think, uh, silenced a lot of haters who really thought, thought he was leaving Tesla in the wind. I've also heard that uh, he's very optimistic about the evolution of what we've all been waiting for, which is, of course, the Cybertruck, which has just been sort of this urban myth that's been rocking around forever. They, he did yeah. it, he smashed the window, but that was way back in 2020 or whenever that was. So Yeah, like I think that's... that's Absolutely crazy figures from Tesla, considering how new the, co- the company still is. Mm-hmm. That's like really, really impressive. That was the most amount of cars they've ever delivered. It was 1.31 million cars in 2022, uh, which when you think about the fact that a Tesla is still a relatively luxury car, mm. 1.31 million is, uh, is huge numbers. And the, the figures really speak for themselves in the company. As I said, they had a very positive start to the year. Can it continue? It's, it's too early to tell. As I said, the next... What's up, like 40% year-to-date, yeah, so correct. doing well? The next, the next two or three weeks will be a good indication because you need to get an indication of the outlook from central banks, the broader economy and stuff, which I think the next month could, could give us an indication, but a very strong start to the year with Tesla and very strong earnings for them for 2022. Very good. Uh, talk us through any other results that you've sort of come across. Yeah, so there's a couple we had. I know Wednesday morning, which was the Tuesday night session in the US, Microsoft. Microsoft beat expectations as well. They were up, I think, about 4.5%. They reported after the bell on... After the bell, uh, yeah, correct, which was our Wednesday morning. So yep. they were up for yeah, about 4.5% after hours, which was good. IBM as well, they posted its highest annual revenue growth in over a decade. Mm-hmm. So IBM was also very positive. Uh, so there's been a, a bit of positivity, a bit of negativity. We are slightly below the average percentage of companies that do beat expectations, which I thought I'd bring an interesting figure uh, so before last night's session, 95 companies on the S&P 500 had reported their earnings and 67% of those have beat expectations. So still more than half, but if we look at the last four quarters, the average amount of companies that beat expectations was 76%. So slightly below that threshold, but there is still about 400 companies to report. And I think next week we have some of the, the biggest names on the S&P 500 reporting earnings, which I think will be very, very big and interesting to sort of come through their results as well and see how that impacts markets as well. All right. Now, a lot of our clients are obviously, or a lot of people maybe watching the show, are very familiar and they're very aware with what reporting is. But in a nutshell, a report is something that a company produces usually on a yearly basis or so on a bi-yearly basis, so usually every half year and every year. This There's two reporting seasons that we have. Okay, One is in February, which is what we're in now, and one is in June. Now, June's the big one, but February gives you a half-yearly update on sort of where the companies are situated at at the moment. Correct. Now, in terms of what we need to look at for our own market, when a company reports, it will come out usually before the market opens, so usually in the morning, and you will get given an announcement. Okay, that should be two forms. Usually it's an announcement that comes out, which has just got the highlights, and then the second one is the full financial report. Now, the full financial report can be very, very tricky to understand and to, to really see, And remember, for anyone watching, the purpose of these reports is to paint it in the best light possible. So they will bury certain things quite deep in the fine print. They have a tendency to try and put the first things forward at the top of the pages. But for anyone that's kind of looking about things, you need to make decisions. First and foremost, do you want to hold a business going into a report? Do you want to sell out of a business before it goes into a report? Do you want to buy on the back of a report? Which space do you really want to be in? And there's always horses for courses on absolutely everything. 
one of the things that we really look at is there's three things that you really need to look at when it comes to a report. First and foremost, you need to look at what the underlying metric was. Was that a positive or was that negative? That's simple. Is it positive or is it negative? Obviously, if the revenue's high, that's a positive. That's the first thing you need to look at. The second thing you need to look at is, is it in line with expectations? That's, okay. that, that's, yeah, that's the, I guess for our listeners, that is the, the biggest thing that you need to understand because so many clients will speak to us and go, they reported their revenues. So well. Their revenues were up 50%. Mm. They've you know, posted really strong revenues, strongest in 10 years, but they're down 5 6 10%. How does that work? Well, it's very simple. They just haven't met the expectations from either the analysts or from the company. So if the company's out, came out a year ago and said, we expect our financial year 2023 to be earnings per share of this amount, and they come out lower than that, but it's still positive, then the market can get sold down. Correct. So those are the first two things you do. And this is the third one that's most important is it's got to be all equated to what the share price is. So if the share price, let's just take Kodan, for example, that had a announcement that came out last week, shot up 10% on the back of it on the day. Now that, that announcement might not have been particularly positive. I think it was a positive announcement. It doesn't need to be positive because the stock was very, very badly beaten down. So remember, judging what happens with any announcements is not as simple as that's positive, it should go up. You've got to take into, is it positive, is it negative? Then you need to take into account, is it beating expectations or in line with expectations or worse than expectations? And then is it reflective of what the share price is? Because if you've got a BHP, it can have the best announcement in the world, okay? It can be really doing everything right. But if it's an elevated stock at the moment, it might not go up the way you expect it. Yeah, you're spot on. You could get companies that are sitting at at 52-week lows that report relatively positive and surge 12%. But if you get BHP that can report record earnings at an all-time high, they're not going to surge 10%. You're right. It's it's all relative to where they're trading, how the broader market actually values them, what, what the broader consensus is on their fair value at point in time. And like you said, expectations is is the really, the really key word going through all of earnings season is what's expected by the market and, as you said, what had the company previously said in their guidance for that financial year in that report that they're giving out. And obviously this is what we do for a living, so feel free to anyone watching for the show, please place a call through to COSAC. Okay, more than happy to chat with myself or Dan. It is interesting. We always love talking about figures and it's... Um, yeah, yeah, just be prepared. We might talk your ear off about it, yeah. but it is... We are uh, nerds when it comes to this, so, but we yeah. love it. So. But it is... Uh, I always think it's very interesting. Uh, I, yeah, saw, I saw a stock go up 30%. can't remember which one it was. I want to say it was something like Templin Webster or Kogan. Or it might have been Kogan. And they said they were still losing money. They were losing money at a less bad rate, though, or something like that. Remember, the market hates Hogan, uncertainty. Hogan was one in June last year. Mm. Also, Temple and Webster, we had a, a, quite a large holding in Temple and Webster last year, and they reported sales were down, but not as bad as expected. Yeah, that's it. And so it's down. went up about 20% on the day. So, And that's just an example of just, <coughs> just sometimes how these things can just really, really take shape. Uh, yeah. And also keep an eye on what's happening in the US. So those are the things that we really, really watch out for. Most companies will report in February. So it will be a, uh, an exciting time. And like I say, most of them will report in the middle of the, of the month. So <coughs> about the, the probably next Friday, we'll go through everything that's going to come out in the following Yeah, well, time. I'll give you quickly some big names out of the US next week. And I think it's going to be a, a, some big swings in markets off the back of these. We have ExxonMobil, <coughs> excuse me, General Motors, McDonald's, Pfizer, Meta, Alphabet, which is Google, Amazon and Apple as well. Also, one of the big things is also be careful when it comes to earnings. <coughs> Don't be so attached to the commodity price because it's very easy to sit there and say, well, the commodity price has gone up so much, therefore their earnings <coughs> must be really high. Correct. But everyone else is factoring that in. That's a very logical thing to think. Everyone else factors <coughs> that in. Then it comes down to a thing called operating margin. <coughs> 
it comes down to a thing called operating margin. A perfect right. example would be Whitehaven Coal. Coal prices have gone through the roof. Everyone's expecting Whitehaven Coal to produce great numbers. But if their operating margins are just off by a little bit, which no one can really predict, then they could have a really bad... Sh- Correct. There's, all, there's a lot of guidance provided for revenue. And something that not a lot of companies will openly push forward with their main figures, mm-hmm. but a big thing that's related to that as well is their cost guidance. So revenues, are they beating? Obviously, with the underlying commodity, revenues can be elevated and elevated and mm-hmm. elevated. But if there's cost guidance where they're going over costs or they're under cost, that can really, obviously, that's going to impact the operating margin. So it's not something discussed a lot in guidance. You do need to delve a little bit deeper into those financial reports you were talking about. But um, looking at revenue is always probably the main thing that we hear about in earnings. But cost guidance as well is something that's very important to look at as well through that season. Actually. So any other questions, please feel free to get in touch with one of us here. As always, thank you very much for your analysis, Mr. By the Dip, Dan Howie. How are going to go Howie? Mr. Dan Howie. That's the best and the worst performers for the week, and that's the events that have shaped them. For now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll come back with the final section of the show. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosex stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Now, do you have a stock that you think is looking good? Do you think you could have found the next big thing? Why not take us a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au or send a text to 0422-972-897. Tell us what the stock is. Tell us why you like it. We're going to track it over the week. The person that tips the best performing stock received their very own gold-plated Gadari bull and bear cufflinks. Those could be coming to you right away. To get things started, let's take a look at what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. This is this week's hot opportunity. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what gold, oil, and the dollar has done. We know what the top performers of the week were. Now let's find out what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. And to do that, we will go to our investment panel representative, Mr. By the Dip, Dan Howie. How can it go, Howie, Mr. Dan Howie? What are you looking at this week, and why does the investment committee like it for the week to come? Of course. So as I said, we've, I guess this year looked at a, a, a range of different sectors but this one was one that did very well last year and as i spoke about fund strata quite bullish on this year it is the material sector but it isn't a business that is strictly related or i guess pegs to an underlying commodity i'm actually looking at a business called index uh, they've been digging themselves out of a hole recently the, the ticker code is imd index is as i said not pegged to a underlying commodity they're a mining technology company so they're products and services so they manufacture and provide drilling fluids chemicals mining instrumentation 
and they also provide data and geo-analytical services as well. So a big mining services company, we are obviously a very commodity-rich country, and there's a huge amount of expansion going on with our local mining companies at the moment with regards to um, a lot of work in the Pilbara region over in Western Australia and a huge amount of expansion from a lot of companies this year. And this is a business that obviously could potentially benefit from the increased amount of services going on in those mining operations. So, so essentially when you do a mine, you want to make sure that A, there's commodities underneath the mine that you're doing. And if you're going to dig a hole in the ground, then you want to make sure that the hole's safe. You want to make sure that there's, there, that there's the right type, that there's not a huge cave-in happening or that there's not air down there or anything like that. And that's yeah. what they do. Exactly. They do. It seems like a lot of basic things, but there has to be companies out there that provide those services. A lot of it is for safety. Um, a, lot of it, a lot of it is also for efficiency. So Because mm. remember, these, these holes that they're digging, I can't really say holes in the ground, these mines that they're digging down, I mean, they are very, very complex things. You've got to be very so. careful. Huge amount of work and operate like ocean. Uh, huge amount of work and planning and operate to get the operation off the ground is really required, and that's what I think a, a business like Index provides a lot of work in that front. So, who are their big clients? Have they got big clients that you're aware? Yeah, a lot of our, a lot of our, our big local mining companies. So they they do work for BHP, they do work for Rio, they do work for Fortescue. I think they also do work for Pilbara Minerals as well, PLS. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those big mining companies. Um, and they actually just recently acquired one of their biggest competitors as well. But I want to touch on that shortly when I bring up the technicals. With regards to their financials, very, very strong. The last three years, a lot of their key metrics have been increasing year on year quite, mm-hmm, quite mm-hmm. substantially as well. So their earnings, their sales, their re- return on equity, their revenues, and their operating margin for the last three years have gone up every year. So very impressive from the business. But I will bring up a chart really quickly of Index here. Now, you can see it is forming quite a strong trend at the moment. It's making consecutive high lows and higher highs. But what I wanted to touch on as well is that massive green candle very close to the right-hand side of the screen. As I said, they raised about $200 million to acquire Devico, which is a 30-year-old core drilling services supplier to the mining industry with a global distribution network. So they're a Norwegian company. Mm -hmm. They are one of Index's biggest global competitors, and Index acquired them for just over $200 million. And that day where that big bullish candle is, they raised that money at $2.20 a share. They fell 7% at the open and they closed up the day 6%. So there was about approximately 15% worth of buying pressure throughout the day that saw index close mm-hmm. high. That's a massive bullish move. That's, that, that's the market really reacting very positively to that acquisition. And the following... Buyers in control. Exactly, right. And the, the following candlestick really solidifies that bullish movement, that bullish price action with another very, very bullish hammer. So it's now above those 200-day exponential and simple moving averages. If you look at that broader 12-month time frame there, there is still the upside. I think it's about 20 20 or 25% to that high. So you'd still be a buyer of this, I'm assuming. Correct. It has had some, obviously, some big movements recently. But what that really says to me is this is, like, Index come out as the winner of that acquisition. It's a very strong acquisition for the business. And that's a very, very bullish price movement through there. Those big bullish candles. Because that normally doesn't happen. Normally the stock drops to the level that it did its cap raising at. Correct. Stays down there, eventually goes back up again once everything's... But I've never I've never seen that. I've never seen a stock drop like that on the cap and then, and then uh, raise and that's back wh- up. And that's why I really like Index. The only, you know, the only other time I've seen it is a day this week, Zip opened up 8% and closed down 15 So Yeah, we don't talk about Zip. Yeah, but Zip's real. But that, yeah, I think that's that's really positive, and that's, as I said, the market really reacting to that in a positive way. I like the materials sector. I think Index is a great business. The financials really support it. And I think, as I said, the very recent technical price action, very, very bullish. Very good. Thank you, as always, Mr. Howie. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, I want to wish our clients, friends and colleagues a safe and happy weekend. And we look forward to seeing you next week. My name is Will Brownlee and this has been The Cosex Show.